This is The Channel, a podcast from the International Institute for Asian Studies. Welcome to The Channel. Today on the podcast, we're playing a conversation hosted by Arti Kalra, the Academic Director of the Humanities Across Borders Program here at IIAS. In this episode, she speaks with three guests. Don Van Darto, Curator of Popular Culture and Fashion at the National Museum of World Cultures in the Netherlands. Lipika Bansal, a researcher, social designer, and the founder of Textile Factory in Amsterdam. And finally, Kiri Chitara, an artist based in India who, as you will hear, comes from a long line of esteemed artists creating Matani Pacheri, a traditional form of painting on cloth. In September 2022, IAS and Humanities Across Borders hosted an in-situ graduate school entitled Textiles and Dyes as Transnational Global Knowledge. As Arti and others collaborated on this event with various textile-related institutions in Leiden and around the Netherlands, she met this group and heard the story of Kirit, who had previously found the artwork of his grandfather hanging in the Tropen Museum in Amsterdam. As you can imagine, this raised all sorts of perennial questions about power in the production and display of art. Questions of provenance and attribution, curation and compensation. These are just some of the themes that the group discusses in the conversation that follows. Two of the guests joined on their phones, so as you'll hear, there were some technical troubles with the audio. But nevertheless, we hope you enjoy listening to their conversation about textiles, creative heritage, and the politics of artistic collaboration. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dan, Kirit, and Lipika for joining in. Uh, following the wonderful school that we had last year uh, here in Leiden and the workshop that you, Kirit, came and did for us at Leiden along with Lipika of the Textile Factory. So I would like to um, just set the tone as to what we are doing here and why we come together and what is the main idea of this podcast. Um, Basically, this is a a conversation that we wanted to um, host as part of the uh, IAS's work to to really bring in different stakeholders around, say, for example, this idea of this cloth, the Matani Pacheri, which is a a beautiful artistic creation um, and a a tradition from Gujarat. But what is interesting is that we, it started out because we had this school at IAS, we have uh, what we call the graduate school uh, for um, context-based pedagogies, which is the uh, graduate school on textiles and dyes as transnational global knowledge, which was hosted uh, in September last year here at IAS, and during which uh, we had invited Lipika to discuss and to share with us uh, um, uh, her uh, her relationship uh, with textiles and artisans uh, from India. And her, so for that, I wanted to ask Lipika to, uh, to start this uh, story as to how and why you've been working with 
um, with artisans from India and mediating between Netherlands and uh, India to perhaps start that conversation, which is why how we started out uh, this relationship with Kirit and then later with Dan. Yeah, sure. So um, I started and founded Textube uh, in 2015 when I uh, came to learn about how uh, Indian textiles influenced the Dutch traditional costumes, so the tints. And actually, uh, it was a coincidence because of the first pieces of tints I saw at the Tropen Museum. And they had a very big uh, uh, fixed exhibition on Indian textiles, or in India, actually, and a big uh, part of it was textiles. So I got really intrigued by this uh, long uh, yeah, trade relation between the two countries and especially on textile. So I started investigating this. So first we visited various museums here in the Netherlands, and then we did research in India and uh, tried to find craftspeople who are still working with these very old techniques. And among them was Kirit Tipara. So he works because in those days they used to make uh, paintings with bamboo pen on textiles. So he also works with uh, uh, bamboo pen on textiles, but their specific tradition is uh, the Mata Nipoteri. So Mata means goddess. So in their paintings, the mother goddess is always central. So we asked uh, him um, whether he was interested to start this collaboration, which was in 2016, end of 2016 we met. And he was very uh, excited because he would be able to work for the first time with uh, in a more international context. So, um, yeah, that was how the collaboration between Kirit and me started. Maybe Kirit can uh, tell us how he, you know, how your relationship with uh, Lipika, just to get an idea of your perspective on the same. Uh, when was, uh, I think so, 2015, uh... I uh, uh, got call from uh, Lipika Bansal on my mobile. So he wa wants to talk with my father, but my father is also Christian village. So that was time we are uh, all people are village. And uh, uh, that that was time he called me and about uh, information about the Matani Pacheri and artists and collaborate to uh, how to collaborate to uh, going ahead with art and cultures and craft and heritage and this uh, uh, art art forms to textile art and we spoken uh, about the all things uh, we to, uh, told story and we know about all things to craft and cultures know about more than many art so uh, many times we call and talk when we when is the planning to uh, I I'm go to out of country first time to in my family so to uh, show the art and I'm very excited and I'm very happy to uh, hear about uh, Lipika uh, told me yes yes we will manage and we can one day work, make a I saw the art to a, a workshop and uh, there uh, your I promote your art so that was time very good to uh, hear about everything. And happy uh, laughing time also. We are laughed together. And I'm happy and very excited. And I also met Dan. And I'm I'm very curious about that. Uh, I saw my grandfather's and grandfather's painting in Matani Pachin Tropin Museums 
very satisfaction and very uh, emotional moment was time and i'm very thankful to lipika bansal to bring me there i'm very happy about that so lipika and dan tell us how this how this took place maybe maybe with dan first and then lipika actually it started with lipika approaching the tropa museum with her idea of the textil factory i think but i don't remember that well lipika first for a sort of collaboration and then you started your project with the exchange between artists from india and the netherlands and you visited with some indian artists you you visited the uh, art depot in 2018 yeah 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 so that was uh, and among them was kirit and i think there already we saw the first matani pacheli so that was i think the first time that i also heard that this young guy from india coming to visit us through lipika and then had uh, saw his grandfather's work in our depot which was amazing because of course museums are supposed to yeah to speak about uh, at least our museum and uh, uh, like a cultural Uh, ethnographic i don't like the term ethnographic that much but it's to position the museum more a world cultures museum i should say it's of course its intention is to show uh, the local public information and knowledge from different cultures around the world but also through the period of decolonization which we're in now we have to see and look at how we can make our collections also work for people where the collections come from So this was amazing to see when Kirit visited and he said, "Uh yes, this is my grandfather's work." And then I I think I said, "Come again." Because <laughs> that's uh, that's hardly ever the case, of course, that you have a collection and that the family of the maker actually is in 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 your museum. And what is also often the case in museum collections all over is that makers in ethnographic museums were hardly ever recorded. It's a very colonial and also anthropological way of looking at collections. It's what is important mostly for anthropologists is its function. Uh, also, techniques and stuff were also at some time important in in the past of, of anthropology museums, but of our whole collection, hardly ever makers were recorded who actually made this this object. And in 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 this phase of the, trying to decolonize your collections is a very important aspect so i was really thrilled to see kirit and knowing now who made these objects thank you dan lipika would you like to share something about the fact that uh, you have an ongoing relationship with kirit what did this uh, bringing out of the the matani pacheri and this moment what this what did this moment do for you uh, how would you like to reflect on that moment Uh, with Dan and Kirit. So I think when uh, Kirit visited the depot and seeing all these, I think he had taken out maybe 12, 14 Matani Pateris and Kirit oh, recognized them like, oh, these are all my, made by my grandfather and he could recognize all the stories. They were still folded. And then, oh, I recognized this Mata because uh, at each a painting, Uh, tells a different mythological story, and then within the painting, you have multiple storylines. So he was describing all these stories, but 
for me, it was very exciting that he could share this knowledge directly to Dan because that was not there written. It was very, yeah. It was not a very elaborate description. And now Kirib actually gave a very long, yeah, he could tell all the storylines and the different meanings of all the different Matanipatiri. Also, I feel that um, once he arrived in the Netherlands, then he went back to India. He got also more acknowledged there. So he got more uh, possibilities to do workshops across India. So that is, I think, some other aspect uh, of when a person like Kiri travels to uh, outside India. In fact, uh, Kirit, we met you uh, when you gave a workshop at our uh, in-situ graduate school on textiles and dyes here at Leiden in September last year. What was your experience? Uh, the participants, there were 20 participants from all over the world, PhD scholars working on uh, different aspects of histories of craft. Um, and uh, there, I, I remember very well that you 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 were able to give us a, a very concrete dyeing and textile hand painting lesson, and you had brought cloth uh, for all of us to try uh, our hand on uh, hand painting and uh, vegetable dyeing. What was your experience at that moment in that workshop? Uh, first time I'm happy also, and first time I'm telling uh, thank you for Lipikaji and RPD because of the this is opportunity first time for me for all over the country not for the one uh, country I also saw the people there to uh, Pakistan Canada Germany uh, West Indies so this is the first time history in Matani Pachari also I am one of the artists who are just uh, know, uh, share of my art and knowledge and textile uh, uh, art of my Matani Pachari in the small world tab and I I share uh, a history about the Matani Pachari and I give to uh, at, uh, like uh, uh, some uh, like demonstration and also uh, give information of Matani Pachari and behind the mother goddess uh, history so I'm happy to one time in many country people also they are staying there and uh, I'm fair uh, knowledge of Matani Pachari. So I'm a uh, very happy moment at that watch time. And I'm really grateful. Thank you for Lipika and Artiji. Uh, very, very good knowledge for about that. So together, all people, all countries, and I, I share the all knowledge together. Thank you. So uh, I have a question for you, Dan. Uh, the, the question about... When you met Kirit, was it uh, meeting him that prompted you to go into the stores and pull out uh, from the dormant collection uh, these uh, these artifacts or these textiles? Uh, or was there some other impetus for you to pull them out? Oh, actually, it was not so uh, poetic. It was more uh, uh, practical in that Lipika approached me uh, that first time, because I met Kiri twice. So the first time was in 2018, when he was uh, part of a, a larger group of Indian uh, artists that visited the depot, and we pulled out. Uh, so Lipika approached me and asked me, so I, I'm, I'm coming, I hope to come and visit you with artists, and 
um, uh, ca can we see parts of the collection? And then I had to do a sort of strange study, not being a specialist uh, necessarily in Indian textiles. So I asked what the uh, techniques were that they all used and then selected just randomly, actually, uh, parts of the collection to show to, to them uh, and hope to, to get a discussion going. And that was the first time when I also drew out uh, Matani Pachedi, which was also because I worked on the permanent India exhibition that Lipika spoke of earlier. I worked with the then curator Ben Möllebelt on that exhibition. And he had gone to India, to Gujarat, and had collected 10 of the cloths for this exhibition. Uh, and I can tell more about that later, why he collected 10 and not two or three. But um, so the second time when Kirit came, I searched again in our collection and tried to find all the Matani Pacheli, which uh, meant that we had about 12 pieces. Actually, they were, um, I just did some research before this, uh, before today. And I found an older one even in the um, Museum of Ethnography in Leiden collection, which Kirit did not see. So I thought maybe it would be interesting today, because I have it on screen, to share that cloth, because that's the oldest one we have. And it is, as it says, from, we don't have an exact date. It's from before 1956, because that's the date the museum acquired it at a gallery, a Dutch gallery. So it was part of a Dutch gallery's, how do you say that, offerings. So please share it with us, Dan. Here it comes. I hope that you can see it. So we see, we see this big, big red cloth with the images that are familiar for the Matani Pacheli. It's red with black and white motifs, very often humans on horses or women in beautiful outfits. We see, I think it is a bull or a cow probably. Yeah, it's like a male buffalo. Yeah. Maybe you can take over. Who do we see in the center? Uh, center is protected goddess for Jogni Ma. Uh, Jogni is uh, one of the goddess for protect the family members and like the people who are uh, believing this god. And big buffalo, they are worshipped and sacrificed for priest for them. And we started first for Ganesha. Uh, opposite side of goddess so and women and instrument people also there and horses of king and behind side of goddess there is of the Ramayana Mahabharata so that is the story of behind side so uh, Kirit just to just to clarify so this painting you say has been made by your grandfather yes and it must have been uh, dyed and hand painted in vegetable dyes uh, but there are only three colors, a terracotta red, a dark uh, black, and on a white ground, or off-white um, straw color ground. So basically, there are only two colors that have been applied. Is that correct? Yes, two colors. Uh -huh. and, and, and then how do you, is it a resist dye? Is this what you call a resist dye, or is it? No, no. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is eight, eight is, uh, process of eight times. 
Yeah, it's a it's a very complex process. And I remember during the workshop, Lipika, you had to do a lot of uh, support uh, for our participants of the workshop to understand this very complex layering uh, and application of natural dyes. If I uh, do, you remember that we had done more than two colors uh, during that workshop, Lipika. Yes, correct. So. Um, also, Kirit can tell more about it, but the traditional materials were made in these two colors. So, using the iron water, so it's fermented for two weeks with the jaggery and with the rusted iron. So then uh, you get this black color, and the red they use alizarin. But nowadays, the artists, the Chitara community, has started using more colors to actually beautify these fabrics and these cloths and make it more interesting. So they go along with the time. It's not a static cloth. So they want to cater a more bigger market. And since people want to also understand, uh, use it as a decoration in their housing, but then they have started using more colors. So these colors are all made at home uh, using different minerals, flowers, and petals, and roots. And which uh, Kirit also uh, brought with him to uh, do the master classes. So Dan, uh, uh, from the point of view of uh, a museum and, and somebody who's supporting popular culture, and how do you see this development? Uh, you have an, a sample from 1950s, which is part of a collection. Uh, it has all this wonderful uh, story, not just a, of narrative, uh, mythic, mythical, uh, stories um, and of religion and myth from Western India, but also it represents a certain artistic tradition of doing and of making. So in what way are museums like yours uh, incorporating the idea of the maker, as you first mentioned, uh, into the idea of a, of a collection? Uh, and in, in what way will you incorporate this? It's absolutely important now when we are finally aware of what anthropological museums actually are about is the view of the West on other cultures. I mean, we, are, we have been aware for quite some time, but the last 20 years, this has been, really been the subject of our types of museum. But at some point, we also take care of objects from people who, whose making is part of that. So. After the, the last couple of years, we have been talking about the role of museums in, the coloni in colonialism. We also are trying to take another turn, to turn back to all the knowledge that is embedded within our collections from all these different cultures around the world. And the maker, of course, then is a very important aspect of that knowledge. There is no knowledge without a maker. And I, I also think... When Kirit was visiting the second time um, and showed us the, the more traditional work that he makes in the uh, Martani Pacetti and his other work with the different colors that you just mentioned, I think you also named it differently, Kirit. And then I come also with something that our, our museum is very interested in, is in this binary division between art and craft. What is art? What is craft? Whereas in a lot of cultures worldwide, this division is not as strict as it is in, in Western cultures, such as in the Netherlands. Um, I don't know if you remember, Kirit, that we spoke about um, 
the work that you do more for local use and the work that you do maybe more for sale, uh, and maybe I'm wrong, Lipika, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a division also in naming these type these styles. So one was, well, I just want to ask Kirit, if you could explain again the difference between the two types of textiles that you make, the more colorful ones for, let's say, outside, and the more traditional colored ones for in internal use within your community? Yeah. Traditional color is only going way to a temple clothes. And older museums, they have stuff like the Tropin Museums, they have also Calico Museums. Although they have a textile museum, they have a Matari Bajay. My father's work also in the Victoria Albert Museum. And they have a, one big painting for camel, camel painting. And they have a, a red and black combination. But they want a red and black. Now, I started filling the colors to a multicolorate. And because of people also out of country thinking about... Because you can imagine, uh, I have a stuff only for the red and black. So people only think they have only red and black uh, stuff. So that's why uh, I'm uh, making the red, black background, uh, blue background. So multicolored black background colors, so people are, have a choice and they uh, decorate to a wall also. They think about that. They put it on museums. They put it on walls in a home. So this is uh, now, uh, now people thinking about the colorful. Now generation change, people change, people mind change. So, so it is, so my father learned them to a vegetable style natural red black and then my father said knowledge about that for alum and turmeric and they are know about many colors so how to develop and how to uh, make a coloring so if i sold out my painting i make a red and black again and again so i'm not lost lose my art because i I'm, i learn from them so i'm not uh, lose to a red and black Red and black is the very good combination, and this is uh, in temple, every temple, that's why. So, uh, could you tell us the names of your grandfather and your father? Yeah. Uh, my father's, uh, my grandfather's name, Kanchan Lal Chunilal Chitara, and my father's name, Jaintibai Kanchan Lal Chitara, and my name is Kirit Jaintibai Chitara. So, that is the generation. And my father also, when he was uh, 10 to 14 years old, he learned this art and he had developed everything to uh, like the color combination. Also, uh, he, uh, he, he don't know English, but he has uh, many people from camp from abroad. My father teach them to Matani Pachiri house, my father, and they are very well learned. And I learned from my father because of my father not speak English also. And my dreams also people who came from abroad and meet me. Uh, Lipika, I would like to jump in here to ask you. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's quite obvious that there is a, a relationship that you promote uh, as a designer. As a, and you call yourself a, a social designer. 
And um, there is a, there, it seems to me that there are two functions that you do, and perhaps I would like you to elaborate. Uh, one is a pedagogical function of, uh, of educating uh, through the museums, through, uh, through the workshop that you conducted for us, through your blog piece. Uh, it's a, a kind of educational function, uh, but also there's a function of promoting the work of artisan, artists and artisans who come from India in the Western world. So could you share a little bit about what you do and what, what is it that inspires you to do this? So actually it started with this whole intrication about the relationship between the two countries, especially the history between the two countries was very interesting to me when I first came to know about how Indian textiles influenced the Dutch uh, design actually and fashion in the 17th and 18th century because of the color hardness and the lightweight cotton fabric. So uh, when I went back to India to find artisans who are still working with essential techniques, I thought it would be very interesting to connect Dutch artists and designers to the craftspeople and reinterpret these techniques and make maybe new artworks and designs for museums. So then at one side, we have the story of how intricate and difficult and slow these making processes are, and then bring more awareness on these making techniques, but also about the stories of the people. So it was also, when we did exhibitions in the Netherlands in the museum, it was also that we shared the maker's name. So it was not only the artist and designer from the Netherlands which were named, but also the makers. So it was really a joint collaboration. and. I try to emphasize that it's really uh, equal collaboration. So the artist uh, and the artisan are both involved in the making process and based on reciprocity. And they try to work on it together. So in Kirit's case, Elina Groenewegh, a Dutch uh, designer, worked with uh, Kirit and um, she worked, made two works together with him. Uh, she just gave him very basic instructions and he did all the fillings. So in that particular work, you can really see that it's a joint collaboration and that artwork has become also really, in the sense, it's very much appreciated here in the global north since it's more appealing to them. The visual language is more appealing to the people here. They can relate to it much better than the typical Matani Pachiri. Also, when we show it here, the typical one, people can appreciate the mata and the technique and the, the whole intricate making process, but eventually they will not easily buy such a painting as a, a decoration for their walls. But the work we made with the Dutch designer, it doesn't have the mata in, in the, as a centerpiece, and it's more uh, like um, visual, yeah, I can, uh, I've, uh, let me see if I can find the visual of it, but it's actually um, a more of a floral kind of a depiction. So there are no figures in this particular artwork. So in that particular uh, artwork, we see that the, um, here in the Netherlands, people can appreciate that kind of artwork more than the typical uh, Matani Pateri. Maybe I, uh, yeah, maybe I can ask Kirit as to how his experience was uh, while working with this designer. Kirit, how, how did you experience uh, your time working with the designer who removed all the, the goddess and the other human figures to make it more amenable to a, a Western audience to be able to put the, put the, uh, the pacheri on the walls? 
How, what was your experience of working with this designer? Yeah, uh, I I met uh, Helen with uh, Lipika. Lipika also told about me to uh, you can uh, work with uh, Alina and Adela wants to uh, some of the different uh, work uh, uh, with me. So we use some some of the traditional traditional motifs and uh, some of contemporary like the kimono patterns. So I'm happy about to uh, next session of Matani Pacheri. So that that is a very good collaboration and people are also interested and uh, appreciate that uh, painting come out very well. So I'm happy about to uh, work with Aline and Libika. Dan, would you like to comment on this uh, this collaboration? What is your view from a institutional perspective as well? Well, this way of working that Lipika then um, sort of designed as a social designer is what we as a museum are, are moving towards too as well. It's no, I think the role of the curator, for example, is no longer the, as was in the past, the the the, the one person that knew everything about collections and was the one to decide on what was to be collected and everything. It's much more collaborative now. And in my practice, for example, if I do something with um, makers, I want to hear what they think is, is the work that they would think would be fit for a museum. I would not choose myself, for example. I, I would ask what is it from your perspective that you think is relevant for this museum to have in its collection to be able to talk about your practice? So I think the whole collaboration is, is very good. And I also like uh, love, of course, because that's what I said at the beginning, is that not only the Dutch designers, you know, get the credit for the making, but that absolutely the Indian uh, designers as well, or artists as well are, are mentioned fully and get acknowledgement for their work, which is uh, what reminds me of very recently, I think Dior presented its collection for the first time in India, which I think was very well received in India, if I understood uh, correctly. But to me, it was kind of, um, I know I was a bit skeptical because they have had been working with these Indian makers for a long time. And never, nobody ever knew uh, about this. And all the credits went to Dior. And it's good that they now finally show that it's not Dior or the people of Dior who make all these intricate designs, but that it is Indian craftsmen or, or, or artists, I should say, and as well as from other places, uh, the anonymous makers, that they are, you know, get more attention in this sense. I think that's... So I'm a bit skeptical about Dior now taking credit for its open attitude, whereas it's a bit late. <laughs> but then again, I work in a museum where this is still uh, uh, very much the case. And what we try to unlearn is to, to put the emphasis on the designer or the, the big name instead of all the people making all these objects. Yeah. So I just wanted to also share that uh, uh, because right now we're talking about uh, the global north and, you know, the reception of Matani Pacheri uh, in the north, global north from India. But Kirit, have you had exchanges with people in other parts of Asia, like in Indonesia or uh, in Africa, for example, where also 
they do uh, so many hand painted, uh, maybe not block, but different types of uh, textile dyeing and printing. Have you had any interactions with artisans or artists who have who know the same technique as you do of uh, 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 kalamkari, that is hand painting and hand printed vegetable dyeing? Have you had any interactions? Yeah. Uh, Lipika ji, no people to have a uh, craft person many. Because of the one of the group, we are together workshop in the 2018. That is the big master group. They have a lots of uh, like Sufyan, Jabbar and Syamji Bhai. Everybody know about the many craft. So online also connection and this is the people are introduced like that. Uh, Lipika ji introduced me to a Dan and RTG and everybody's like that. So it is the big, big uh, for the contact. Dan, how would you like to respond to this? Um, I, I was actually in my head already asking a, a, a next question, if I may. <laughs> and that Please. was uh, what... I'm also wondering about the question for Kirit again, and maybe also Lipika, is the division of the labor in the craft and art between genders in, in Kirit. If you can say something about, uh, because you learned it from your father and your grandfather, and they learned it from their male ancestors. Are there women also involved in making Matani Pacheli? Yes. I like my uh, my wife also helping me. Uh, woman, it's incomplete life also which without the woman. Woman is also helping around the craft persons and crafts. So I have a work with my, I, I saw the museum, my painting. So with my wife, I also, I drawing and my wife is the filling the colors. Also, I'm helping around that. I'm saying knowledge for them. So that is the part of the woman also filling the colors and making the colors. So actually for you and your family, Matani Pacheli is a way of life, right? Because you are constantly working in and around designing, making uh, the Matani Pacheli. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think this is a good moment to perhaps close the podcast what do you think do we have some there's anything that we missed out or we want to discuss i was wondering uh, lipika if you could say something about the book yeah so we have i'm working also on an art book on how the with um, the collaboration because we invited in total 26 artists and designers from the netherlands to work with 17 craft communication artists and designers from india so we are compiling an art book on that collaborative process and we've invited uh, various Indian uh, experts to uh, write a chapter. Um, so, yeah, we are working on it. It's going rather slow. I was away for four months, so I didn't pay any attention on that either. So now I'm back. Uh, yeah, so that's a uh, work in progress. Yeah, and we will write a chapter on what we spoke about today, right? So that might be interesting also for people who are listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, yes, this is really a, a, a start of this idea of uh, when we when we write something in academic in higher education, 
in the humanities and social sciences. And and Dan, you were you were very right that uh, for uh, until now uh, the question of a uh, uh, textile and its maker was kind of framed within anthropology. And now with the decolonization um, and also different crafts movements, which uh, in different countries in Asia and Africa, which was part of the uh, cultural self-determination of these countries and the making of these countries um, uh, post-colonialism. Uh, I think it's now become very important in the 21st century that we create a new narrative around makers, artifacts in the global context, because uh, at least in humanities across borders, we are really hoping that uh, we use uh, artistic practice and collaborations in a very, in a manner like Lipika, you mentioned, in a, in a, in a just manner without the hierarchies uh, uh, and vantage points, uh, which are either Eurocentric or uh, Northern was, and, and, and over the South, uh, to have more South-South, uh, North uh, uh, collaborations so that there is a kind of self-recognition, but also a determination of, okay, who are we and why are we doing this collaboration? And what does it mean for the world that we are living in uh, and for the future generations, uh, not just of artisans, but also of, of scholars. So it, it, uh, we have to change the way we even uh, write about uh, knowledge. And I think institutions like museums uh, are really much, very much implicated. And just like you, Lipika, as a social designer, you are implicated and I'm implicated as a critical craft scholar uh, who's, you know, who's been looking at the history of the crafts movement in India, uh, and also who's looking at how it was inspired by Japan, for example, and other parts of Southeast Asia, there was so much exchange, and as well also with Africa. You know, so uh, these are the, the hidden connections uh, that need to be uh, made more visible through the circulation of not just artistic artifacts, but also people uh, that you, Lipika, and Kirat, and Dan, we all represent that. I'm also a scholar uh, based half in India and, uh, and half in the Netherlands. So, yeah, we are all uh, in this kind of uh, circulating uh, and also parts of this knowledge production. So, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, this was very, very enlightening. Um, thank you, Kirit. Thank you, Dan, Lipika. Uh, I hope we are able to have a, a coffee uh, very soon together. That was Arti Kalra in conversation with Don Von Dartel, Lipika Bansal, and Kiri Chitara. Thank you for listening to the channel. Please subscribe to receive all future episodes. This podcast is brought to you by the International Institute for Asian Studies a globally-oriented institution based at Leiden University in the Netherlands. We are dedicated to fostering an integrated, multidisciplinary understanding of Asia and beyond, and we'd love for you to get involved. For more information on our conferences, webinars, publications, and fellowship program, please visit eas.asia. That's iias.asia. See you next time.